Hello and welcome to BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue BTN, and we are back on the Take 10 Podcast after a week-long hiatus or break or whatever you want to call it. Uh, had a guest fall through that week, so I decided to pack it in and um, come back better than ever this week, and we do have a great show for you with a couple of great guests coming up. Uh, the first guest is a BTN reporter and anchor, and it's actually long overdue that I got her on the show. I can't believe it's taken this long. Um, and it is Elise Meneker. So if you've watched pretty much any Big Ten football Saturday um, the last few years, last couple of years, or any of our uh, some of our BTN women's sports like softball, where uh, she's an analyst, you've definitely seen Elise or followed Big Ten Network social media channels where she does her Big Ten's Got Talent segment. Uh, you're definitely familiar with her. And Elise and I get into her background in sports media, her path to BTN, kind of the uh, same blueprint that I try to do with all sports media personalities that join the show and, and really find out their story and, and uh, figure out what led them to their current position. So get into that with Elise, talk some Big Ten uh, football, or at least the experience of covering Big Ten football because she gets to uh, one game a week and um, kind of the protocol and, and the experience behind getting to a campus every week and interacting with the crew and uh, interacting with students and coaches and athletes and all that for uh, everything that goes into a big production like Football Saturday. So great discussion with Elise coming up. And then after that, we have Harold Shelton back on the show as he is most weeks during football and basketball season to get behind the numbers of Big Ten sports. This week, obviously, we talk a lot of Big Ten football. Soon we'll be talking some Big Ten basketball too, but um, still a couple weeks away. And we talk about uh, some historic undefeated teams and starts in the Big Ten, uh, especially Wisconsin and Minnesota. So we'll get into more of that in just a a minute. We'll definitely start, though, at the top with Elise Menneker, uh, BTN anchor, reporter, and uh, all-around utility player for us here at the network. And we'll get into that interview right now. It's Take 10 Podcast Discussion with Elise. All right, very pleased to be joined in the BTN studio by BTN reporter, anchor. If I leave any out, she can correct me and let me know. It's Elise Meneker. Elise, welcome to the show. This is a uh, appearance that's long overdue. That's my fault. I'll take responsibility. No, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. yeah, no. Did I leave any responsibilities Softball out? analyst. Okay. Yeah, host. Sideline reporter, reporter, you got it all. And who knows yeah. what, what lays ahead. That's so. right. <laughs> uh, first off, just how have you been? How's your fall going? We haven't caught up in a while. Uh, fill me on everything that's going on. Yeah, fall is now, I'm in the rhythm. This is, It's always a good time of year now because we're in week eight of the football season. So now you kind of like have your routine going, you know, where you have Mondays, I do this, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, usually travel Thursday, do the football stuff Friday, Saturday. Maybe if I can't get home Saturday night, start it all over again Sunday. Yeah, that's what's nice about football season. It's so structured. Um, once we get into basketball, I know, um, <clears throat> at least for me, like the nights just get kind of crazy because anything could pop up on any given, any given night. But we'll talk about football and your schedule and all that a little more in just a, a little bit here. But before we do that, I want to get into what I kind of always dive into when I talk to sports media professionals or anyone in the industry. And that's just kind of your background and path to where you are right now here at BTN. So just start from the beginning, if you could. Um, I know you're a high school sports star, college sports star. Um, kind of tell me about your, your path and how media eventually overlapped with your athletics career. Yeah, and it's interesting because I actually, is, I'm not that person who knew at like three years old that I wanted to be in sports, be in front of the camera. I think my family would say like, you know, I've always liked being in front of the camera. I'm a middle child. I like the attention too, but... Um, It started really an an internship in Chicago. I interned at ABC here in Chicago, and um, I fell in love with what I was doing at that internship prior. I actually thought I wanted to be a fashion designer, so I took fashion design classes at the Art Institute. I interned at magazines as well in Chicago, and just through that, I thought, you know, I like it. I was learning at Cornell where I went undergrad, Cornell University in New York, that – I just thought over time, the industry that I'd get into, magazine, 
would change so much that it wouldn't be what I initially got into, which now as we're seeing is true of every social, sure. you know, just media platform. Um, but it was really in that TV internship internship that I felt uh, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. So actually right after I graduated from Cornell, I played a pro season of softball in Sweden and I was there for four months. We won a national championship. We played in the European Cup. Uh, phenomenal, fabulous, every word you want to use, experience. And I still am friends with everyone I played with there. I want to go back and visit them. Um, it's just, it was really a, a once in a lifetime opportunity. Bring up Sweden, uh, just to interject there. Have you seen the movie Midsummer? No, but Midsummer is a huge deal there. I just watched Midsummer this weekend, and it was in Sweden, and it was freaky. And and is it a scary movie? Yeah, uh, it's like a it's like a thriller kind of. It's oh, interesting. It's it's from a horror movie director. He uh, the same guy directed Hereditary. But I'm not a huge movie person. I'm not, I'm so not a big I, horror movie person, I but I recommend Midsummer since you played and lived in Sweden, and it's just like a very twisted movie. Well, it's interesting because Midsummer in Sweden is when they have 24 hours of sunlight. So the whole country gets off from work. It's an off day, and they just celebrate right. all day long. Uh, and I, I was I was there for that. That's great. Yeah, so I'm surprised it's a horror movie because it's the complete opposite there. But I like horror movies. That's kind of what's so. disorienting about it. It's like it's all in the daylight, and it's, it's yeah, exactly. Kind of flips. On it's its very head. weird there. But, like 10 o'clock at night, <laughs> it's broad daylight. Yeah, it's bizarre. In the um, summer. Getting back to softball, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't um, mention your career at Cornell. I don't want to glaze over that. Uh, from Chicagoland area, you know, we're a high school star here in. in Sports and then played softball at Cornell. So take me through kind of your reign of terror there and dominance. Uh, what, were some of your, what were some of your accomplishments you were most proud of there? We called it beast mode when <laughs> I went there. No, um, gosh, I think the first thing that comes to mind are the championships that we won. We won back-to-back Ivy League championships my junior and senior year. And that's because, I mean, you hear the athletes talk about it all the time, but that's really special because you work really hard for that, um, not just all season, but in the off season. And I mean, we, my freshman and sophomore year, we came in second. And so to have that feeling, and we lost on like back to back home runs or like, you know, walk off home runs. These were close games that we essentially, you know, were in it and, and had won it, but then lost it in the last inning. So mm-hmm. um, that feeling to that, you know, you feel like all your work, all your hard work paid off. You knew you could do it, you accomplished it, you did it, your team came together and did it. Um, so many people have to contribute to make that happen throughout the season. And that's really what I remember, the celebrations. Well, I'm pulling up your bio here and a career record for doubles, ranks in the top five all time in home runs with 37. Uh, it just goes on and on. Uh, and also a 3.74 GPA, which is at Cornell. It's pretty good. How did you, you. How did you end up, you know, obviously they recruited you, but how did you end up at Cornell? And just having been to a lot of Big Ten campuses now for your work, how does that whole scene compare to the uh, the Big Ten? Yeah, the Ivy League is different. Um, it's the only Division One conference that doesn't give scholarship. You can have financial aid, but it's different in that realm. And, and the Ivy League emphasizes, not that another school doesn't, but they say, you know, academics, that comes first, and then athletics is part of it. And I really value that. You know, that's kind of how I feel about things. So um, the facilities, and, and they, I mean, it's hard to compare a lot when I go to these Big Ten schools. I'm surprised. I'm like, wow, like this is what they have. Like we didn't, we have all of that, and and but it's just different. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. I'm really proud to have gone to Cornell and to have gone through, um, you know, to have gone to an Ivy League school and to have played sports at Cornell. But um, you know, it is it is it is just different. That's mm-hmm. the only way I can describe it. Um, I did get recruited, but oddly enough, I actually didn't even know if I was going to play a sport in college. So I played tennis and softball in high school. Um, I was, uh, my team won the state title my junior year. I played singles and then uh, came top 16 in doubles my senior year. I think my junior year placed like 35th or something in singles. So I actually for a long time was looking at playing tennis and or softball. And, and like I said, I always put academics or a huge emphasis on academics. So that's really what I was looking at. And if I could play a sport at that school as well, that's kind of how I was looking at everything. But then um, when Cornell came into the picture, um, it was it has both, right? It has the best of both worlds. So um, I actually did an early decision. Um, and I just, you know, went through the process because I was looking at, at other places. And, and in the end, I had the best four years of my life. Wouldn't change it for the world. All right, so you get back to uh, the States after Sweden, and you go right into media. I know 
eventually ended up um, near my hometown in central Illinois. So yeah. we've kind of talked about that in the past. But uh, take me through what happened after you uh, hung up the cleats. Yeah, it was. I was ready, I guess you could say. I, playing in Sweden really helped. It kind of like capped off my softball career. I, I knew when I graduated from Cornell, we made it to the NCAA tournament my junior and senior year because we won the Ivy League. And um, I it was so nice to know at that moment, I was sad to be leaving all my teammates and to not be playing softball in that way anymore. But to know that I wasn't done with softball completely was really nice. So then once I had that pro season, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go out into the real world and do what I want to do. After having that internship, I knew I wanted to go into TV. Um, I knew I wanted to go into sports, but I actually started started my career in news. So I was a news reporter in Columbia, Missouri at the um, ABC Fox affiliate, KMIZ. And um, I was there for seven months before going back to school. That's when I went to Northwestern, where I got my master's degree in broadcast journalism. So Cornell was a phenomenal education, um, but I didn't focus and I didn't know journalism. So that's why I wanted to go back to school to learn that at Northwestern. Um, And so then I actually got back into TV after Northwestern, that's when I went to WAND, mm-hmm. uh, the NBC affiliate in Decatur. And then from there, I again got a news job. But the, it was there that I was able to shape and form my sports reel and background. I was open with my news director there that I wanted to I wanted to do sports. Mm-hmm. So any sports news story I could do, he let me do. And then at the time, you know, then that's kind of how you you shape it and frame it. So I was lucky that he was understanding of that. And I would go out and shoot football highlights for the sports guys. Eventually, I became the morning anchor indicator. And it was because of that as well that I got to fill in for the sports guys when they needed a vacation. So I filled in a few times there, put that reel together. I had a sports segment there called Central Illinois Sports Report with Elise Meneker. So you kind of see all the pieces coming together. And it was because of that I was able to make that sports reel and then go to Milwaukee, where I was full-time sports um, at the NBC affiliate there and uh, TMJ4, or WTMJ. And um, there I covered the Packers, Bucks, Brewers, um, AHL team, the Admirals, and of course Marquette and Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So that's that was really, I mean, that was that was kind of like everything I had worked for, right? Like that's all I wanted to do, was be told every day when I go into work, I get to go cover sports in some way. So sure. that was, that was, you know, and to be doing it like covering the Packers, I start during football season. I, I'm there for Brett Favre getting inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame. Um, I mean, to start your sports career like that, you know, it's it was it was a phenomenal experience. Yeah, we talked about this kind of off air, but um, take me through some of the challenges. And I see this a lot just following some of my peers that have, um, you know, gone off to wherever and be- become uh, anchors or reporters at certain news stations, you know, sometimes small markets, uh, sometimes news departments or sports departments that are stretched thin. uh, And these are people that, you know, I might have gone to school with or whatever, met along the way. Uh, What are some challenges for like a young reporter, whether it's news or sports, reporting um, in, you know, some of these markets and and just kind of doing a lot yourself? Yeah, I mean, that honestly was the challenge that I faced. Um, You know, like I said, before I went back to Northwestern, I learned journalism on the job in Columbia, Missouri. So when I was, you know, and that's right when like MMJ, as they call it, multimedia journalist or one man banding was starting to become a thing. And so I had to learn how to shoot on the job. I remember going out with a reporter and he would kind of show me like, this is how you shoot. I I didn't even know what cutaways were. I didn't even know what VOs were. Um, That if you're in the, you know, broadcast injury, a cutaway are these shots that you see when you shoot and VOs are the script that you write Mm -hmm. for certain things. Um, So for me, it was kind of baptism by fire, but honestly, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way because I learned a ton. Um, So that I think was the challenge. Adjusting to, um, we talked about how I thought magazine would change over time, but, uh, you know, adjusting to how TV was changing. I actually started editing on tape. I was one of the last probably stations that still had tape before you go over the SD card. So I wow. would literally shoot on tape and you edit to another and you press all these buttons and it's probably so foreign to some younger journalists now. But um, I think it was being independent and having a schedule that didn't match anybody else's. I think you kind of got used to that in college, having your own class schedule and your own like life and, and you kind of created your own structure in a sense. Um, but then going out in the real world and, you know, I'm assigned something where I need to go and when I was reporting in news, I need to go out to a bank robbery, a fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
knowing that that's my assignment. I have other coworkers who are going to do other things, but this is my assignment for today. I have to get it done. I have to get it done in a timely fashion because we're on deadline. So getting used to the study that I'm on my own. Um, so once I did learn to shoot by myself, that was a big reason I wanted to go back to Northwestern as well because it was becoming such an independent industry. I wanted to know that every decision that I was making on the fly was the right one. I never wanted to doubt myself in the field. And I feel it in one-man banding because you are, you know, you have to know in news, can I step on their lawn? Can I use that interview? Can I use that soundbite? And I didn't want to question that. So I just wanted to know based on my education. So I would say that was, and and part of being independent was sometimes doing those things that you never thought you'd be doing or maybe that you wanted to. Like I said, I always wanted to do sports, but the jobs just weren't there initially. So that's why I took the news jobs because I was told by a career service mentor at Northwestern um, when I got my second job offer at Decatur, it was a news job. And I was like, you know, I just really want sports. So she said, look, you can either start working now and just gain that experience or you can sit around and maybe wait for that perfect job to come around and you know three four months however long down the road but you could already have that experience and be that much farther ahead if you take the decatur job so i did and my parents they were in the industry and they have been huge influences they were producers in chicago and um, they have the same advice you know they say experience is experience news sports is all the same and i totally stand by i would not be the sports reporter i am today without my news background yeah i was gonna ask uh, i know who Actually, I didn't realize this until recently, but uh, I'm glad you brought up your parents because I saw your sister's Twitter account recently. Yeah. I didn't know like this uh, media runs <laughs> in the blood, runs in the DNA. She's Showbiz Shelly. Yeah, right? she's Showbiz Shelly okay, so radio. How, do you guys like compete? How does this work? What does she do? <laughs> That's and just it. How, how does it all kind of intersect in your family? Well, it's weird because like we didn't. This was totally unintentional. Um, and in terms of us being my parents were never like you guys should work in tv and radio um in fact they're always like just make sure you want to do this you know it's a very demanding industry um so my sister she uh like was at part of the radio station at Nutrier where I went to high school and that kind of is what kicked off her now radio career um and then with me, it was that internship. I mean, it's just the things that we're drawn to and like. And has and my brother, you know, he's the youngest of us. My sister's the oldest. I'm in the middle. And my brother's a baseball agent. So in some ways, I guess you could say he's tied yeah. to media. But he's more like, you know. He, it's in the industry. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, it's honestly, it was just we don't compete. In fact, it's actually nice to have her in the industry. Because a lot of the times, I'll go to her and ask questions. Because she's faced a lot of the things that I've gone through. So especially with social media today, for instance. Um, she has like a, a big social media following. So I'll, you know, ask her like, hey, you know, just about posts or what do you think of these things? And and it's nice to have someone going through it, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you mentioned, you know, covering the Packers up in Milwaukee. Uh, I wanted to ask about your time in Decatur, though, uh, not only because it's, you know, 45 minutes from where I grew up. I know it's a, a, a Lion Eye station as well down there. You uh, did some research on the Chicago Bears, and with it being their 100th anniversary, I thought it'd be timely to bring it up. Yeah. Um, tell me about what inspired that story and, and that research. Obviously, um, for those who don't know, I guess, so not obviously, but for those who don't know, um, the Bears started down in Decatur when George Hallis left Illinois and went to Decatur and kind of started the NFL and got it going. So, so what did you learn and how did that story come about? Yeah, that was something that I knew literally from the moment I got that job. I actually was talking to my dad about it and he like mentioned that like, hey, you know, that's where the Bears started, the Staley's. And, and we would talk about how I could do at some point this story, which was you know, how the Bears started. And it just so happened while I was there, they were opening up a museum. It had not yet opened when I did the story, but it was going to open. And that's then became like almost the backbone of the story that I created because the premise is that this museum is where the meetings took place that kind of started the NFL. Um, so I have video in this room that stories say this is where they spoke mm -hmm. about it. And I, I then found relatives of those who were on the Staley's team and I interviewed them and it kind of became this big investigative piece almost to put together the pieces of all this in this town um, because one of the things that I focus on is when you drive into Decatur on a certain road there is a sign that says this is the home of the Decatur Staley's but actually all there was at the time in that town was that sign and I thought it was so cool that this is a huge part of this town 
And so what's been neat to see is since I did my story, they actually have created a huge mural in downtown Decatur to kind of also recognize um, the Bears and the Staley's. So it just kind of started again with that news background that I have, that trying to come up with stories that involve sports but maybe aren't necessarily like reporting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that piece took about like – a month or two. I mean, that's a piece where I went out, I got all the interviews myself, shot everything myself, edited it myself, wrote it myself. Um, and so that was like my baby yeah. there that I wanted to do before I left. Yeah, it's cool you did that because um, it does seem like kind of a buried story. Like you'll see it referenced once in a while when you talk about the history of the Bears and and it seems like Decatur and that you know foundation of the franchise almost doesn't get enough attention. And it's cool you kind of brought some light to that. Thanks. Um, so... Finally, we get to you here at BTN. Um, how did this opportunity come about? Did you seek it out? Was someone uh, approaching you? And then how has your role evolved at BTN since you uh, got the job? Yeah, so I actually had been in touch with BTN for a long time. Um, and it's all just about, you know, they say in this industry, timing and luck, but it's true. I mean, and in any job, that's what it's about. But I knew for a long time that I wanted to work at BTN. So um, I take pride in the networking that I do, and that's what I did to get this job. I just talked to people over the years, and I'm talking years this took place. Um, And then it just so happened with the timing of my contract in Milwaukee to what was open here that there was a football season coming up and they needed a sideline reporter. So that's kind of how the door opened for me at Big Ten. Um, And I'm from Chicago. So it was always something that, you know, everyone wants to work in their hometown. So that was always an appeal about this network. And um, I just felt that it was a great next step in my career. And so I, when that opportunity came up to be a sideline reporter during football season, I knew I couldn't pass it up and there was the potential there to do some stuff with softball. So, um, it was, it's really nice when you work hard. I mean, I always think hard work pays off, but it's, it's nice when you actually, you know, do see that happen. So, um, from there I started, like I said, as a sideline reporter for football, I, of course, had anchoring and reporting in my background. So it's always been important for me to um, be versatile and to keep those skills fresh mm-hmm. and not to pigeonhole myself. That's why I even like having the news in my background. And um, just things kind of snowballed over time where, you know, it's it's so important to take advantage of your opportunities. And I'm trying to think if I can remember on the spot, like, you know, the first time I did something in studio, it was actually, um, I filled in for Women's Sports Report. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I think I filled in a couple of times and then softball came up and I was our studio analyst. So on top of being uh, calling like games, I was the person in the studio doing the analysis and um, again, just kind of get the ball rolling. Then they need someone to fill in hosting a show. You know, I, I proved that I could do it in the studio for softball. Well, then, so that's kind of how it all came about. Right. And, you know, another way your role has evolved here, you've made some appearances on our digital platforms, um, you know, kind of where I'm familiar with and, and kind of my, my neck of the woods. And this is your third year here? Yeah. Okay, third year. So last year, you started doing a digital segment during football game weeks. Tell us about it. Tell us how it came about. And tell us how it's kind of developed into this, uh, you know, really solid thing now in year two. So it's interesting because it did not start out as me being like, I want to start a segment. and I'm going to call it Big Ten's Got Talent. I was doing a Purdue spring football game. And um, as prep for those, I and for every game I do, I talk to players leading up to. I just call them over the phone and, and you just kind of get storylines. For spring games, I notice um, – I learned that like you have more time on the sidelines because it's not a true game. You're not trying to get every report in like right before you know they snap the ball. So um, I try to gather extra content, and I go to David Blau's uh, bio because he's the quarterback at the time, and I notice just randomly in his bio they said he does magic. So I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Like, I want to ask him about that. So when I have him on the phone, I say, by the way, I see you do magic. Like, what is what is it? He said, I do card tricks. I always carry a deck of cards with me. I go, no way. So I said to him, will you bring that deck of cards? I said, I know you always have it on. He goes, no, I'll have him at the game. So 
Um, he had remembered, and I he, I saw him before the game, like, yeah, the deck of cards? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. So then after the game, I see him, and he, let me tell you, after a spring game, everyone wants, to, everyone wants to go with their family and they go home. But he was nice enough to stop and say, okay, yeah, I can do this for you. And so it was something I just filmed on my phone. I was with the photographer that I was with on the sidelines. I said, hey, do you mind shooting this really quickly? And it was just simply having David Blau do a card trick for me. And, and I, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. I still to this day would like to know the yeah. secret behind it. David Blau's uh, been on the show before. He – and we've done – uh, several, you know, mini projects like that together. He reminds me of like a forty-five-year-old and in a twenty-year-old's body. Like he's like an old man, and he's so you know, he's so like polished and mature, and it's hilarious that you know he's a he's he a is so pleasant to be around. Polished, right? I can't describe like a nicer, more genuine person, and that's why I even mentioned this stuff about how he stopped after the game and things because that's his personality. Sure, he wants to help. Um, he likes to be, you know, interact and talk to people and build those relationships. So um, I always thought that was really nice of him because his his now wife and his mom were there waiting for him. They were like watching as we yeah. were doing it. So yeah, it was it was fun. So that was the spark, and then how does it turn into a recurring segment? So then, interestingly enough, I I just post that I just tweeted out, and it did get a lot of traction. And but one of the people who noticed was Tim Brando of Fox. And he says, you know, he, he tweets at me, says, Elise, you should start your own Big Ten's Got Talent show. This should make a great, you know, segment. And I thought to myself, huh, like that's not a bad idea. And so because I had a football season under my belt at that point, I thought about the logistics. Like, okay, I know I get out there on Thursdays. I could shoot it on these days. And then once I thought all, all I did was shoot David Blouse on the phone so I can just shoot it with my phone. And the quality we know of phones is not bad today. It's good. Um, so then I just each week, in addition to, like I said, I like to talk to players before games, I would just ask in addition. I always did it with the home team because the away team obviously traveling is a lot less time and they're just more busy. So then um, I would ask the communications directors that we work with, hey, do you think, you know, I'd mm-hmm. explain it to them? And I have to say a lot, a lot of credit goes to them. Because they're the ones who ask their players. They come up with the ideas. They help me. I may, you know, structure it on site into how we do it and shoot it and things like that. But um, the ideas really, you know, I noticed Blau say in his bio, sometimes I may notice that. But it's really, you know, the help of them. Yeah. And to me, this is all kind of like music to my ears because in my three or so years here, uh, we've kind of gone through the same evolution, right? Like started shooting stuff on our phones on site. And as, you know, we'll talk about in a second – the production quality increases once we have a little more resources. And we've always tried to kind of figure out how to get the um, on-air, you know, faces, voices like yourself, the talent, um, over to the digital side. And, you know, the fact that you kind of went out and just did it, that makes our job a lot, a lot easier. Um, and, <laughs> well, and I like to do it. I've... Right. And that's that, that honestly is the biggest thing is when talent um, enjoys it, when they seek it out, or when you propose something to them and they are all about it, uh, it just makes everything so much smoother. And then... You know, after you had a season of this Big Ten's Got Talent under your belt, you I assume, I actually don't know how this works, so I'm curious, were you approached to, um, you know, up the production quality of it, and since we had the resources on the ground, or how did it become, you know, you have now have a camera person, and, and it's kind of this whole... Uh, production that that we're involved with now. Yeah, what's really cool about the Big Ten is we have um, people at every campus who are kind of there to shoot Mm -hmm. things like this. Um, And so I just basically use the resources that we have. Um, This was a goal of mine to do in the first season to use like a photographer shooter. But with how I was setting it up, I never could really at that time get enough notice. And I think then because I did have a year under my belt, everyone kind of knew what I was going for, what it entailed, and how we would get it done. So then, again, that that goes to a lot of credit working with the SIDs of, you know, asking them do they have a talent and then arranging it with them when and how we can do it. Um, so they it's it's really they, they helped me tremendously in doing it. So um, by using the resources that Big Ten has, they, um, I mean – like you said, with the editing, the mm-hmm. shooting, the quality that we're able to get out of it, how quickly we can turn it around. I mean, I it's been it's yeah, been amazing. Year two, we've had some great. You know, it's uh, it's taking the next step. Um, so everyone, you know, check out Big Ten's Got Talent. It usually comes out on Thursday or Friday, I think. Friday usually because yeah. we shoot it on Thursday. Um, okay. And you know, we've had some big time guests and and pieces put out. And Tom Izzo. I don't know if that was technically a Big Ten's Got Talent, but it was an awesome Thanks. bit you did while I, you were on yeah, campus. I did, yeah. You did uh, one that was with a Northwestern player who, like, sculpted fruit. A fruit carver. That was, that was wild. Um, give me some other ones that you've, like, really enjoyed and that stood out for being super unique. 
you know, the the first ones stand out because it was like that's when it was, you know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to do this. And so there were a lot of singers, um, which honestly, like all the singers we have have been amazing. I just had a ukulele player at Purdue. Um, you got John Legend's attention? John Legend's attention because we had a piano player at Michigan State. So he responded on social media. Yeah, he said it sounds cool. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, hey, sounds great to me too. Um, what else? Oh, we had a someone who smoked, I think it was brisket okay. at Penn State. Okay. Glad, that, you said, glad you said brisket there because it could have been, you could have gone anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. That was not the right place to pause. <laughs> nah, you're good. Um, but yeah, and that's kind of been the cool and part. James be- Franklin like got involved with that. Yeah, like, they, they get a kick out of it. And since we have a shooter, it's opened up the doors too. Like, because you know, if I'm shooting like smoking brisket on my phone, it's more, sure. it's a lot more challenging. Sure. Yeah, and the uh, the editing. Yeah, I don't even good. quite frankly know I'd be able to do it. Yeah, it has been good as well. Um, so. Any sneak previews of what's coming up? Where are you going this week? Yeah, this weekend it's tough. So I am back at Rutgers. They're playing okay. Minnesota. Because you were at Rutgers recently. Yeah, right. so this is now the time of the year where, and I noticed this even in my first season, when I start to repeat home teams or just repeat teams mm-hmm. in general, it gets more difficult. Because like I said, there's, it's, you know, it doesn't, it takes it takes effort and time to put together. Sure. So um, I actually don't know if I will have one for the first time. I'll try this and think week. of something like it might be short notice, but that's kind of the same type of approach we take when we go out to every school in the bus tour. Like we're trying to find some unique talent. Yeah, so like these are these requests are not new. I don't think for the SIDs. So like I'm trying to think if we had anything, but I'll let you know uh, if something. Yeah, I would appreciate it. Um, we'll have to see and, and uh, you know, be able to look at it. But the last time at Rutgers, I had someone design a Big Ten's yeah. Got Talent logo. Yeah, He's an art major and he did a great job. I asked him on the spot, so that was probably the most impressive thing to me is he just comes up with it on the spot. So year three, then, you're going to have to actually use that logo. in the. Yeah, absolutely. You you're right. All you're right. right. Before we wrap up, <clears throat> um, Elise, I wanted you to take me through kind of what a game week is like with your crew, with, you know, balancing your responsibilities here in the studio and just the overall experience of you know going on the road maybe getting dinner maybe getting acclimated to a new campus what's kind of uh, how does it all fall in place for you week to week what's nice now is as i'm in year three everything becomes more familiar um so a typical week um usually mondays and tuesdays are more my prep days where i kind of look at the team notes i listen to the press conferences from the coaches and that's stuff where i do you know more um what I want to do like for the game to get myself ready Um, that's where I'll maybe reach out to the SIDs and ask to you know can I get a couple of players on the phone so the idea is for me at least the way I see it as a sideline reporter I'm trying to find the stories of the teams going in that I could potentially do reports on during the game Um, so that's why I talk to players what I just try to I little tidbits from the press conferences um and by going through the notes and just doing your research you just have a better understanding of what the team the the background of the team what's what's the story going in what do i need to know about these two teams um and then wednesday usually we have our conference call with the away coaches and you talk to the head coach offensive coordinator defensive coordinator thursday is a travel day if I can, I, now I do the Big Ten's Got Talent on those days. And then Friday, um, I if I can't do it Thursday, I'll do Big Ten's Got Talent. And then we ha- meet with the home coaches. Okay. So same thing. Head coach, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. And a lot of times we'll have to record things um, for the next day. And then Saturday is game day. So game day, um, I like to get to the field early. But maybe because I have to get interviews, I have to record things. Um and then the game itself happens, and and when the minute the game is done, I mean after I do my post game interviews, that's it. Yeah, and you are, go home. You're with are you with uh, Brandon? Yeah, Brandon Godden, and James Laurinaitis. Brandon also has been on the show. Oh Super wow! Nice uh, James so. is not. I gotta get him on. Yeah, um, next up. So uh, what's the crew like? You know, uh, do you guys ever hang out or have time to to relax outside of the broadcast? My crew, we love each other. We love to hang out. We love to eat. We love to go to dinner. Did Brandon Godden tell you about his dessert obsession? I don't think so. He was on like a year and a half ago, so maybe, and I forgot. But <laughs> I might be exposing him, but he <laughs> loves dessert, um, loves ice cream, so it's kind of rubbed off on, I'll admit, me. 
Um, but we go to dinner usually together on Friday nights. Um, and if we if we're all there like Thursday nights, but usually because we can get in at different times on Thursdays. But that that's probably one of my favorite parts about traveling mm-hmm. for football is that I get to see them. You know, you're gonna you know see those familiar faces. You're not just going out there alone. And um, we have a good time together. It's it's. Um, you bond because on the, you see each other every weekend right. and you get this schedule going and, and you just look forward to it. All right. A few wrap-up questions. First of all, uh, saw inside the new studio – or not new studio, but we've uh, got a new desk. Yeah, new in set. Our, yeah, new set in our, uh, in our studio here in Chicago. I think it's giant. Have you sat at it yet? <laughs> it actually feels smaller than the old one, but not in a bad way. It's like, like very the comfortable. Okay. Yeah, because the old desk was very high. Right. So I like I just walk up the steps. You know, you used to have like get on a box, yeah. like stand up and. So I think on TV it looks way bigger just because it's like stretched. I out I would agree with screen. that. Yeah, yeah, it's I like, can see that. It's like a Star Wars. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it's cool. It is. I like. So I have to make sure I don't slouch mm-hmm. on actually these chairs that we have now. Like I feel like I'm sitting up straighter. Okay. So the postures. Yeah. Much it was. Yeah. Awesome. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take it outside the studio. Um, what kind of hobbies do you have outside? I mean, I, I know you're an athlete, so maybe you uh, stay active, I'm sure. Do you have any shows, any podcasts you listen to? What's going on um, when you do have that free time? I love to work out. Um, spend a lot of time at the gym. I love reality TV. I am not ashamed of it. It's not even a guilty pleasure. I just enjoy it. I <laughs> I'm... 90% of the time probably watching everything on Bravo. Vanderpump Rules is my okay, favorite. I've heard of that one. I've never You've seen heard. it. <laughs> this is where everyone's probably like, what? Like the other shows um, on Bravo, that I, I think Bravo, I think like Project Runway, Kathy Griffin, like shows like that. Well, I like, you know, The Real Housewives yeah. and gosh, why am I forgetting everything now? Uh, well, Below Deck. The big thing, um, the, I think the reality show I got into the deepest Southern big, Charm? No, the big sh- show was uh, in, when I was in high school was Jersey Shore. Oh, I watched that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I love we, reality we, TV. That would be like a holiday every week we would watch that. Yeah, I, while. yeah. Jim Tan Laundry. Yeah. Like Jim all that stuff. <laughs> I actually saw Polly D at the airport once in Philly. <laughs> and, and they're easy to spot. Exactly. They still look the same. Exactly. Um, I also, 90 Day Fiance. Have you ever seen that one? I haven't. That's... <laughs> Say yes I know, to the dress. I know the concept, though. Yeah. See. Yeah. So TLC, HGTV, and Bravo. That's my jam. Okay. What about um, the reason I asked this is because there were YouTube stars on the University of Illinois campus yesterday, and I saw like all wow. these uh, Snapchats and Instagrams of like mobs of people chasing after these YouTube stars, and like people I barely heard of. Okay. I don't know if you're into like YouTube, the vloggers, the vlogging. I'm scene. not. I I'm don't not even have Netflix. Okay. Like, hence why I say I watch these yeah, things. Yeah. I actually just love watching it, so I feel like I don't need Netflix. I think everyone would disagree with me. Never seen Game of Thrones. I don't watch, I like... I have seen Game of Thrones either. Really? And, like, the the vlog scene, I think, is way younger than, than both of us. So like, it's, like, college students maybe might the cutoff and then teenagers, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not, not into it. I'm not into that. I feel like, could I get into it? I, I don't, don't think know. so. I don't know. Do you, it's, like, it's, from what I've seen, it's literally people, like, holding up selfie cameras and it's very highly produced but they make it seem like you're in the right home and they just do like goofy right. stuff I'm not, I, don't, I don't know it's not i don't find it funny but um clearly students at our big 10 campuses do and they can draw crowds and i'm glad that you mentioned uh netflix because that was one of my questions and you said you don't have a, an account do you even like borrow no. passwords from anyone you're just completely off no it? my sister i think has an account and i think my brother borrows hers but like i genuinely just I love my reality TV. Like you're in too that, deep. Yeah, like I go home. It's either sports or reality TV. Yeah, I'm in way too deep. I feel connected to all these people. Like I, these are like my friends who I watch. <laughs> like that's the level <laughs> it's gotten to. That makes me sound so like so sad, but I love it. I mean, yeah, it's not that different than sports. It's competition. You feel connected to them. You know, it's, <laughs> I, 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 I see how it works. Sure. Um, all right. Last question. Important question. We're in uh, the middle of spooky season right now, two weeks to Halloween. Are you dressing up as anything for Halloween? If so, what are you going to be? Okay, I've thought about it. I don't know if I'm dressing up because isn't Halloween on a Thursday it's this on, year? It's in a weird spot. It's like in between. There's two weekends. I don't even know which one would be the proper one to celebrate it because. I know. That's it, why. One weekend's like 27th. The next is like the second. It's that November, tough one. So. Yeah. You're like, do I dress up both weekends? Yeah. One of them. You don't want to be like that weirdo who guessed wrong exactly. and then no one else is dressed up and you are. Right. I was thinking if I dressed up um, as Selena. I love the movie Selena and okay. I love just her as a singer um, and like who she was. So 
that was a thought. Um, but honestly, wait, hold on, Selena. Are we talking Selena Gomez? Or no, Selena? sorry, like Selena, like when J Lo. Am I bad for not knowing who that is? No. Okay. Actually, someone else didn't know either. When you say Am Selena, I, like my generation thinks. Yeah, I didn't even. Gomez. I don't even think and of that. I mean, I get it, but because I'm thinking too. of the person. So. Yeah. Remember the J Lo movie? No. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'll have to put on my yeah, list. maybe I should have said I was going to be like a bumblebee or something. But <laughs> just don't say softball player because yeah. whenever anyone dresses up as the sport they played, it was. It's always I like, did that. I so I actually didn't like. I love Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. Um, but growing up, I'm not a big like candy person, mm-hmm. so I didn't like to trick or treat. Um, and as like just a you know to go trick or treating, I went around and I put my softball mm-hmm. uniform on and got candy. And I think my family. Ate I it. did the same thing, and I always thought like I knew deep down it was lame, but I was like just lazy and, and would put my you know sport, my baseball or basketball uniform on. And yeah, that that's exactly what it came to. All right, well we'll have to see. Um, we'll figure it out. I always leave Halloween in the last minute anyway. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, clearly I am as well. That could be a Big Ten's Got Talent idea. You could um, Halloween work costume. Halloween, yes, yeah, in somehow. Yeah, maybe someone can like make a costume. See, this Done. podcast is uh, so good. easy now. <laughs> the key is. <laughs> All right, Elise, uh, I've taken enough of your time. Thanks so much. Somehow we didn't get kicked out of this this room. I know there's a volleyball broadcast yeah, we going to go go on uh, shortly here, so I will let you go. I appreciate you taking some time. And uh, even though it's long overdue, we'll have to have you on again soon. I know. Good time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, have a good rest of the season, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks once again to Elise for joining me. Really appreciate her taking some time. Like I said, uh, should have had her on a long time ago. I don't know how I haven't yet, but better late than never. And uh, appreciate all her hard work for the network. All right, moving along now to Harold Shelton and his weekly stat head segment. We'll go in-depth behind the numbers, whatever you want to call it, into Big Ten sports, and especially this week and every week this time of year, Big Ten football. So we'll toss it over to H, discuss uh, the past weekend of Big Ten football, and look ahead to the matchups awaiting us on Friday and Saturday this weekend. H will take it from here. His segment starts right now. All right, we're glad to be back in the lab here. H uh, had to take a week off last week. That was my fault. You know, I had a scheduling gap with the guests, but we're back at it now. How was uh, how was your time off? It was good. You know, the grind still was going, but, uh, you know, I hate missing last week, but glad to be back this week. And I feel much less informed when I don't talk to you on a weekly <laughs> basis. So, like, maybe we should just go out for coffee next time there's a gap in the schedule. Yeah, we can make that work. Starbucks down the street. <laughs> Since we talked last... Uh, I hate to say, from your perspective, it's, it was a tough two-week stretch for your Spartans. Uh, let's just kind of recap what went wrong since we last talked. I know you were a little optimistic they could potentially hang with Ohio State. That uh, that game wasn't that close, and then Wisconsin was even worse. So uh, diagnose what went wrong. Yeah, I didn't think they'd beat Ohio State. I wondered if they would stay around. Uh, I know we talked about that second quarter punch and how they needed to withstand that. They did not, and uh, so that's the reason they were down 17 and never really got back in the game. Uh, Wisconsin one probably surprised me more. I thought that was a a better matchup for them, you know, more of a phone booth game. Uh, You know, Jonathan Taylor against that really good front seven. Uh, The defense stopped Taylor but got no pressure on Jack Cohn. Uh, he was able to deliver the ball when he wanted, where he wanted. Uh, that that part was definitely surprising, but, you know, all credit to Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin's one of four undefeated teams in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. That's pretty historic, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's funny, you know, people start 6-0 season, all yeah. the time, but, you know, to have four uh, in one league seemed kind of rare, and then you look and you're like, oh, this hasn't happened in over 100 years. You know, 1904 is the last time. You had four Big Ten, at least four Big Ten teams start six and zero, and it's a possibility that all of those teams can win this week too. So it could be very interesting. Yeah, that was back when like Chicago was in the yeah Big Ten. Chicago's in it. Uh, it was like Chicago, Illinois, I think Minnesota back then was really good as well. Yeah, um, another significant achievement that. We'll stick with Wisconsin. That the Badgers have accomplished uh, is this this stretch of shutouts, uh, four in the first. Six games. Um, give me some background on that and, and how that matches up with past teams. Yeah, the Badgers are really making us work, right? Like, right. There's a lot of digging, <laughs> digging that into we the, have the to packet. do. And, uh, you know, Twitter helps because, you know, we 
got some friends over at Stats and Info, sure. some friends at Stats, and so you know you can kind of pick and choose some of the best stuff. But uh, I will say, you know, from what we've seen, they're the, they're the first FBS team with four shutouts in the first six game of, since games of a season since Oklahoma in 1967. Uh, the first Big Ten team to do it since Minnesota in 1962. Uh, they're the first Big Ten team, period, with four shutouts in the season since Michigan in 1978. So the stuff that they're doing right now is crazy. I mean, they've only allowed 29 points so far. It's the fewest through six games by FBS team since Florida State 1993. So, I mean, you're talking, you know, the elite of elite, you know, very, very rarefied air that this Badgers defense is playing in right now. Yeah, I mean, that showdown with Ohio State, is it next week? Next right? week. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's the one we can't really help looking ahead to, but uh, we'll, we'll try and keep it on topic for now. Uh, their their opponent in the West that is kind of challenging them a little bit, or, or at least a team to keep an eye on if you're the Badgers, is Minnesota. Um, I was a little skeptical um, of, the, of the Gophers, in the first three, four weeks of the season, and I think now they have earned their way out of anyone's uh, skepticism. You know, they still haven't beaten any great teams, but they're at least winning the way great teams are supposed to. And um, credit to them for surviving those first three really close games and now kind of hitting stride a little bit. Is it the defense that's changed, do you think? I mean, they shut out Nebraska. Nebraska had um, their backup quarterback in. But um, they're always kind of scoring points. It seems to me like the defense is what stepped up now. Yeah, the defense certainly helped. And I know uh, early on, Kamal Martin missed some time. Uh, so, you know, he he missed that South Dakota State game. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see, you know, how much they missed him. Uh, I will say that I think they've become a little bit more balanced on offense. And I think that's been a bigger deal. Uh, we'll see if that changes as they, you know, get to Penn State in a couple of weeks. But, you know, the first four weeks it was all about Tanner Morgan and throwing it around to those receivers. In the last two weeks they've been able to get Rodney Smith going. Shannon Brooks is back healthy. Then they added Ibrahim back. You know, he ran for three touchdowns against Nebraska. And so now you got that three-headed monster at running back and receiver. Uh, if Tanner Morgan gets time to throw, if that offensive line plays well, they're, they're going to be a tough out. Yeah, a lot of tools uh, in that offense for P.J. Fleck and uh, a lot of people for Tanner Morgan to, to distribute the ball to. Um, I guess the other game of note before we move on from this past weekend to talk about is Penn State-Iowa. Uh, it felt like Penn State kind of controlled that whole game, and if not for a controversial call in the goal line, it might not have been as close as it was. Um, Penn State ended up winning 17-12 to over the Hawkeyes. Penn State, to me, has shown uh, all the makings of a, of a legit team. To me, now, the interesting thing to watch will be, can they make the their entire season relevant on a national stage? Like, the last two years, they've kind of fallen off the map a little bit because they lost to Ohio State in week, like, eight or nine or whatever it's been. And then you just kind of forget about them because they're out of the college football playoff race. And, sure, they're still a very good team in the Big Ten, but, you know, they're not in any of the college football playoff ranking shows being discussed as a potential uh, CFP contender. So, so do you think they are at the level, or at least kind of close to the stratosphere of Wisconsin and, and Ohio State? Yeah, it feels kind of weird to say a team that's seventh in the country is flying under the radar, but mm-hmm. it kind of seems like it is with them. Um, I think that you know that win at Iowa kind of exercised some demons. You know, gets the monkey off the back for James Franklin. He had never won. Uh, a road game against a ranked team. He was 0 of 11, you know, 0 of 5 at Vandy, mm-hmm. 0 and 6 at Penn State. I didn't so, realize the Vandy one. Yeah, so he yeah. finally got that off his back. Um, and now you get a really tough schedule. I mean, that game started, you know, a brutal stretch where you got Michigan this week. You're at Michigan State next week. You got an off week, and then you're at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You still got the game in Columbus later in the year. So, I mean, they're definitely going to have their chances to – you know, to make some waves and, you know, potentially get into that top four. Um, you know, he got some more demons to exercise. I mean, he's one and four against Michigan. He's one and four against Michigan State. He's one and four against Ohio State. And so, you know, if you're going to find a way to turn it around, this is a good time to do it. So let's start our conversation uh, looking ahead to this weekend with Michigan uh, and Penn State. Uh, Wolverines escaped. Illinois with a little bit of a scare. You know, they kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit and gave up uh, almost a big lead completely. Um, so I don't know how good Michigan fans are feeling about that one. But they remain 5-1. and one. Penn State's still undefeated. 
how do you see that one playing out? And, and I don't think many envision it uh, playing out like it did last year when Michigan absolutely rolled them. Yeah, that series has been really weird. I mean, you base, the home team has basically just traded blowouts mm-hmm. the last three years. You know, uh, in, in 16, the year Penn State actually won the league, you know, they got throttled. You know, forty nine to ten in Ann Arbor. That was the last time they lost in the regular season. Yep. Uh, the year after that, you know, white out under the lights. You know, Saquon goes eighty right away. Sure. They blow Michigan out of the water. Last year, Michigan returns the favors, forty two seven. So I mean, you've literally had nothing but blowouts. I can't think of the last time that this game was close. I think it was twenty fourteen. Maybe was Franklin's first year when neither team was very good. Uh, so hopefully we get a good game this weekend. It, and it's a, it's a weird thing because people have been kind of trashing Michigan, and they're still 5-1. and one. Uh, They got a lot of stuff in front of them. The spread is lower than you would think based on how, you know, people are talking about Penn State and how great they are and how much Michigan struggling. Yeah. The line's only a little over a touchdown on the road. So I think that's a little interesting. Uh, I do think Penn State should win the game, but – I think Michigan has a a big chance to make a statement. Yeah, with that being said, I mean, Michigan uh, has an opportunity, you know, to keep everything in front of them. But if they lose, a lot of those stakes theoretically become removed because it'll be hard to jump Penn State if you lose to them. And, you know, thinking about Ohio State down the road, it's hard to imagine Ohio State losing more than one game until that meeting. So, you know, lose now and and a lot of – a lot of those incentives fade a little bit. Yeah, not just that. I mean, they'd be two games back in the division sure. from Ohio State and Penn State since they already lost to Wisconsin. So right. this game is is pivotal if they want to get the Indy. Uh, you know, they'd have, what, four conference games left after this. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of hard to imagine that they'd be able to make up that much ground against the two teams that would be above them in the East. Right. So the uh, slate drops off. After that top 25 game, the top 20 game for sure. But there are some games um, that have some implications. Indiana and Maryland is one that's interesting just because of the bowl implications there. Um, you know, both teams are looking to get back to a bowl, obviously. You would think Indiana has the edge there, but it is at Maryland. Um, full disclosure, I haven't been able to watch much of Indiana in the last few weeks. How are they looking? Uh, I know though, uh, Penix, the quarterback, is back and, and, um, you know, he's back from injury from earlier this year, and Maryland's come off a tough loss at Purdue. So, what are you expecting out of, out of that game? Uh, yeah, Penix. You know, he was great. You know, in East Lansing, had the twenty straight completions. It was a game they probably should have won. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they do, they might be right outside the top twenty-five at this point. Uh, but you know, they're a four and two team. You know, only losses. You know, to Ohio State, Michigan State. Uh, they've blown out everybody else. I mean, they've played really, really well so far. Uh, defense has been really good. Um, Stevie Scott finally got on track, but again, yeah, I didn't realize until so. I didn't realize until last weekend like how uh, quiet he's been this year. Yeah, because no. he was on our bus and the bus tour, and then um, you know I looked at the stats, and it's like oh, he's got four or five hundred yards this year. Maybe not even that. Maybe it was two or three hundred, and was, you know, just relatively quiet, especially considering his breakout last year. So, what does he need to do to get going? Well, I think a lot of it has been the line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've they've definitely struggled to run block against the better teams, and you know, the Ohio State game, they pretty much couldn't run it at all. And once they got behind, you know, they pretty much abandoned it. Otherwise, it's been they've blown teams out, so that it hasn't been a need for him to play. Sure. You know, as much in the second half. You know, they've killed. Rutgers, they've killed Eastern Illinois, they've killed UConn, mm-hmm. and so it hasn't really been a lot of chances for you know Scott to get going for a full game. Right. Uh, this could be one of those. Uh, we saw what Purdue did to Maryland last week. You know they dropped forty on them. Um, you know Penix has some pretty good weapons at receiver with Wap Fillier and Nick Westbrook, and so if Jack Plummer can throw for over four hundred and. You know, have all of those freshmen score touchdowns against that defense. I think Indiana might be able to do something similar. Yeah, Maryland, I think, is feeling the strain of first-year coach and all the adjustments that go into that whole process, and it just seems to be kind of weighing them down at this point. Um, but, yeah, Indiana, I, I mean, the way we kind of distribute the games on um, every Saturday, we'll try and have some of our staff have their eyes on a certain game. And uh, for whatever reason, I haven't been watching Indiana as much. But you're right, they've quietly put together a really uh, – nice resume and taking care of business now the the challenge is going to be can they make that leap that we've kind of talked about whenever we really talk about them in a big game because um 
you know, nothing, no shame in losing to Ohio State, but that game was not competitive. So right. we'll see with them. Yeah, every year Indiana seems to kind of have a game where they shouldn't lose, and then it winds up costing them bowl eligibility, right. right? So, like last year, you know, they were at Minnesota. Minnesota was really struggling at the time. It was the first time Tanner Morgan started a game. They were, uh, you know, they pretty much went through the motions, came back, took the lead, gave it away late. Right. Then you lose Purdue and you're 5-7. and seven. You know, two years ago, it was a game at Maryland. They should have won. Mm-hmm. Maryland had the fourth-string quarterback in. They score 42 points. You lose the game. You're 5-6. and six. You play at Purdue, and you lose. Like, this is this is a game where Indiana needs to win to kind of have some cushion. a little bit. Exactly, because you still got uh, Penn State and Michigan on the schedule. Like, this is a game where you need to go ahead and put it in the win column. One interesting thing, uh, looking at recent history, Iowa losing to Purdue the last two years. That's that's something that, you know, obviously Purdue was on the come up the last two years and um, had the had the rise of Jeff Brom and, and the program, you know, came back to respectability for sure. But still, you think Iowa, you think that they would have at least split. So um, I have to imagine they have the edge against Purdue, just Purdue being banged up. But it looks like Purdue might have found something finally with uh, Plummer kind of getting used to the, to the offense there. I, I like their future a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that necessarily means this Saturday, but, uh, you know, the receivers they have, I mean, outside of Rondell Moore, I mean, he's been out, but you know, the fact that David Bell's gotten going, you know, Milton Wright's gotten going, um, you know, they got a nice running back in King Doru. So, I mean, they had four freshmen score touchdowns in the first half last week against Maryland. So, I mean, that just kind of goes to show, like, the future could be bright there. Right. They have some silver lining, guys. Silver lining of the injuries is that guys can step up, get reps. Exactly. And build toward the future. And uh, what's the word on Moore? Is there any prognosis for when he's getting back? Like, he's keeping it close to the vest. I'd be surprised uh, if he played anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know if that's an injury that you want to – you know, rush back, especially if you're not really playing for a lot. Sure. Uh, but, you know, that's just my opinion. I know Brom has kind of spoken out that it was, it was going to be week to week, and I guess he's a little less optimistic now. What that actually means for the rest of the season remains to be seen. All right. Well, we talked about Ohio State and Wisconsin, not this upcoming weekend, but the next one. Um, the other big matchup will be Wisconsin-Minnesota. It looks like those two will probably face off for the West, uh, unless Iowa has something to say about it. So, those two teams this weekend just look to take care of business, keep it moving. Uh, Wisconsin's got Illinois, Minnesota's got Rutgers. Uh, I don't envision those teams you know, rising up and, and shocking the world, but you know, stranger things have happened, I guess. So, uh, you know, Wisconsin and Minnesota just seem to be on that collision path for the Axe and then for the birth of Indy. Yeah, see, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with Minnesota because they should win the next two games to get the eight and zero. But in November gets real, and then we'll find out a lot about them because right. they still get Penn State, they still get Iowa, they still get Wisconsin, and so we're gonna find out a lot more. You know, if let's say Wisconsin does lose to Ohio State next week, mm-hmm. and Minnesota loses to Penn State and Iowa, yeah. that game could still decide the West at the end because Minnesota, if they beat Wisconsin, would have had a tiebreaker. Hopefully we get a situation where that is a winner-take-all game. Right. It would be great if it was on BTN. You know, we'll see. Right. Uh, we know Ohio State-Michigan will obviously be on Fox, but hopefully we get the uh, the Axe game, and that would be awesome. Right, absolutely. And, and Iowa's two losses at this point, correct? Yeah. So they would have to um, beat but, Minnesota and – not necessarily Wisconsin, but to get to India, it would take some work, right? I mean, they're going to need Wisconsin to lose to, twice. Yeah, now, luckily, you know, well, I guess it depends because if they lose next week yeah, true. In, they at Ohio State, yeah. they still play Wisconsin. True. And so, you know, I would say if Iowa, you know, can get to November, you know, still with two losses, everything's still in front of them. Cool. Um, and that reminds me, bringing up Ohio State, almost forgot Friday night matchup coming up, Ohio State at Northwestern. Um, you know, Northwestern's having a tough year. Ohio State, I don't believe, has played on Friday night or or even off. I can't even remember them playing off. Or did they play Indiana on a Thursday oh, before? Thursday. Thursday, yeah. So. Instead of Northwestern, they played on the Thursday last year. So, like, both teams have played outside of the normal routine before, but neither team has played on a Friday. Right, yeah. Shout out to Jerry Emick uh, for Ohio State for putting that in the notes. That's the first time they're playing a regular season game on a Friday since 1959. Wow, okay. It's a very, very long time ago. Um, obviously, this is going to be uh, 
probably a good thing for Ohio State because you get the extra day to prepare for Wisconsin right. since you're going to be be done, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a day earlier. Um, this game shouldn't be close, I wouldn't think, but, you know, Northwestern has found ways to muddy games up before. Uh, they haven't really played that much this decade, but the three times that they have, you know, it's been a game in the fourth quarter. It's been a one-possession game. Sure. Uh, you know, 2013, Northwestern probably should have won the game. That was the game day game, That was right? the game day yeah. game, gave it away late. Uh, they were in Columbus in 2016. It was a four-point game. Ohio State kind of just had to survive that one. Uh, and even last year, you know, Ohio State jumped out to the big ten, uh, big first-half lead in Indy in the championship game. Northwestern comes back. It's a seven-point game with ten minutes them. left. Yeah. And you're like, hey, you know, let's see what happens. Ohio State, you know, scored a couple touchdowns late to put it away. But, uh, you know, I just don't know if Northwestern has can move the ball well enough to keep up. Yeah, and uh... – Remember, it's Friday night. You know, I always see um, on BTN. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We announced that yet? I think we have. It's I been know, announced. I know Bruce Feldman. Bruce did. Feldman did. So <laughs> secret cats out of the bag there. So yes, yeah, sir. check it out on BTN. You know, I know those games on Friday night, uh, especially in my Twitter experience, catches the eyes and attention of uh, a lot of people and people who generally wouldn't be watching Big Ten football uh, on Saturdays. So. I think it's a cool thing. I think it'll be fun. Uh, I'll, I'll be there. So excited to get to my first game at Northwestern. Never been to a football game there. Dress warm. I'll, I'll bundle up. <laughs> that that lakefront breeze is no joke. And uh, I might have to borrow some of your uh, your wardrobe for that. H. I know you got got a. Oh uh, yeah, I got the parka. You know, you I got, got the gloves. You got pea coats on deck. Oh uh, yeah, all the, all day, <laughs> all day long. All right, H. Appreciate your time. Um, and we'll be back at it next week. Back in the saddle. Take care until then. Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. All right. All right. Thanks once again to Harold and Elise for joining me and making this episode what it is. Thanks, as always, to Wes White, Julie Bronder, who have a hand in producing the show. Thanks, as always, to everyone for listening. And quick reminder, if you are listening and you've not subscribed on one of our uh, platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, or even YouTube. You can find us on YouTube as well in the Big Ten Network YouTube channel. There's a playlist for the Take Ten Podcast. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and drop a favorable rating if you like the show. Keep those unfavorable ratings um, in your back pocket. We don't need them here. For real, thanks as always to everyone out there for uh, tuning in. Appreciate it if it's the first time or if you tune in every week. Appreciate it um, across the board. And we'll talk to you next time here on the Take Ten Podcast.